Today's message is about God's plans, God's divine assignments. Okay? There's a passage of scripture that has bothered me for some 25, 30 years. And that passage is, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my master. And that's found in three places in the scriptures. When the Lord repeats himself, pay attention. Dory, it's good to see you. It's good to see the baby. All right. So, but when the Lord says something, he says it three times, and you can find it in uh, Matthew 25, verse 21, verse 23, and in Luke 19, 17. Okay? Now, that passage has bothered me 25, 30 years. I'll talk more about it later. Okay? My first question is, how do I get myself into a place that when I meet Jesus face to face, he's going to say that to me? Because he isn't going to say it to everyone. So how do I get there? Well, we got to start at the beginning. Um, if we take a look at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says, God saved you by his special favor when you believed. And you can t- can't, cannot take credit for this. It is the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none can boast about it. So it starts with being born again. If you prefer, you can use the John 3.16 passage because it says the same thing. Okay? If you're not born again, you will never, never hear those words. It's that serious. Now, I can take this passage and I can go a lot of different places. We can discuss salvation. It's a wonderful gift. We can discuss grace. Another wonderful gift. We can talk about God's special favor. We can talk about believing and what that matters, how that matters to a Christian, okay, to a Christ follower. There's a lot of places we can go. Here's my question. Where did Paul go right after he said that in Ephesians? Let's look at Ephesians 2, verse 10. And it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. That's where Paul went. Where it's saved just to be saved and come and sit in the pews and have a good worship service and listen to somebody like me or whomever talk to us. There's a reason. There's a purpose. And God had it in mind before the world was created. Okay? Um, A couple of very interesting thoughts. 
make sure I don't skip anywhere. God created us new. God created us anew. We're a new creation. Some results from the web. <laughs> so we're created anew. We're not the same creature. We're not the same as before. And I'm going to take an aside right now. It's not in my notes, but this is a side trip. I don't charge extra. When Christ died on the cross and he paid for all of our sins, that means past, present, and future. Anything that we will do in the future is already covered by the blood. Now, I'm not saying that so you can go off and do more sins. I'll let Paul talk about that in some of his epistles. But the point is, don't be shamed by the enemy because you've done something and now you feel you're less than what God died on the cross for you for. It's already paid. It's already done. Don't let the enemy nullify your testimony. Okay? Let's go back to the notes. So we're created anew. We're a new creature. Okay, we're no longer homo sapiens. I think that's what they call us. We're a new race. Okay, and that new race has a spirit. There's a lot of popping. That new race that we belong to has a spirit that's alive. The other race, that spirit is dead. That's what the born again experience is about. So, but we could go there, but I'm not going to. He says we're his masterpiece. Okay, we're not part of Darwin's theory or anything else like that from monkeys and whatnot. We're his masterpiece. Now, I could spend some time in Genesis 1 and 2, but we're not going to go there either. I'm going to concentrate on the part that says he has good things for us to do. Okay, and that's where I'm going to head in this passage. So note that there's a lot of places we can go, but we're going to follow this narrow path. Um, the NIV says it this way: These are good works God has prepared in advance for us to do. In the King James, it says, "Good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them." From these passages, we get the idea that the Lord had something very much in mind for each one of us before we started. Call those divine assignments. Each one of us has a divine assignment. And I'll be talking a lot more about that, but each one of us have a divine assignment. Now, yeah, I'll talk about that before I go to the other one. Back in the 80s, there was a book that came out that I had um, impacted me significantly. The book is called Generations. It's a secular book. It has nothing to do with Christianity or whatnot. But what it did was it traced 
the generations from the American generations from 1770s till today. So there was more than 200 years of generations that each one came through and it was very much each generation is different from the other in very specific ways. And you see it these days, Generation X, Millennials, okay, the whole thing. That book was very important to me because it gave me this thought. The way they viewed time was a railroad train. And it's going on its way. Now, every day, there's some folks that are entering the train. And when they're born, when you're born, that's the day you enter the train. But every day, there's some folks leaving the train. And those are the ones that pass away and we have our services for and whatnot. But during the whole train ride, all the generations are in there mixed together, interacting with each other. And there's some divine assignments. I'm saying this. There's some divine assignments that go on because God wants to interface every single one of us. He's not willing any of us should perish. Some will, but that's not his plan. Okay? So, Pastor has talked a lot about Jeremiah 29:16. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. Oops, wait a minute, did I pass it? Yes, I did. No, I didn't. I'm not there yet. So the, the Jeremiah 29:11 passage says, "For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope." Now, many of us, I was almost got ahead of myself in the in my notes. Many of us have used that passage to encourage someone. But what's the background of that passage? What's the context? Who is this given to in the scriptures? It's given to the Israelites. They're in captivity. They're in Babylon. They're not home. You know, they just lost a big war. They got all dragged out uh, several hundred miles. They're not at home. They're not feeling too good. And this is the message the Lord gives them. Okay? A little bit further in the passage, might we know the verse just before it, uh, Jeremiah 29.10, it says, The truth is that you will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. Okay. If you look a little bit higher in verses 7 through 9, again, Jeremiah 29, uh, verses 4 through 7, God commands them to build houses, plant gardens, do business, be a good citizen in Babylon. Now, the prevailing thought I always was given was Israel went to captivity because of their sin and God was punishing them. Well, in a sense that's true. 
But that's quite a punishment when the Lord says, after 70 years, I'll bring you back home. But in the meantime, settle in, enjoy life, continue to do good. And then I'll bring you back home after 70 years. 70 years is an interesting number. I'm going to go to Leviticus 25, verses 3 and 4. God says in Leviticus, For six years you may plant your fields and prone your vineyards and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, the land is to enjoy a Sabbath year of rest for the Lord. Do not plant any crops or prune your vineyards during the entire year. And then there was the Jubilee, the year of Jubilee, um, there, right tell the passage. Yeah, Leviticus 25, 8 through 10 talks about the year of Jubilee. So that specific passage says, For two years, I don't want you to plant or harvest any crops. Well, some theologians, and it's kind of funny because I heard it again this weekend, somebody was talking about the same exact thing. If you look at the years that they did not obey that command and let the land rest, total them all together, it totals to 70 years. So God was giving the land the rest that it needed to have for 70 years. Now, if you think about that, it was approximately 500 years that they planted every year and never let the land rest. I don't know about you, but if I was working for 500 years, I'd be pretty worn out. So what is God doing? Well, he's protecting them and he's protecting his land. So to ensure that the land gets the rest it needs, he took them out of the land and says, I will return you. Now, if you want to know the rest of the story, read Daniel Ezra and Nehemiah, and that'll tell you what the rest of the story is when they came back. But if you don't want to read the rest of the story, just look at the news. Okay, this week I was reading, no, I'm sorry, I was listening to a program, and they were talking about, I hope I say this correctly, a tribe in the very northern part of India, it's on what's called the Silk Road, that they did a lot of, trade way back when. The name of the tribe is Bray Manessa. Did I get it right? Bray Manessa. Bray means sons of Manessa. It's one of the 12 tribes. They went over and they did some DNA testing and whatnot and sure enough, their worship and everything else is Jewish. And what they decided to do is name themselves Bray, sons of Manasseh, so that they would remember where they came from. The gathering's going on. So if you want to see what's going on, watch the news and you'll see the Lord's bringing them all back. Now some of them went begrudgingly after 70 years, but they're still coming back home. Now, I'm going to meddle a little bit. 
I've done it twice already. I'll do it again. How many of us are following the fourth commandment? Six days you will work, and on the seventh day you take a rest? If you don't take a rest, you'll get to the point where you won't be able to work. And God says, my prescription for you to operate at your best is one day a week. One day a week. I'll leave the meddling at that and let you ponder that. I'll continue with the message. Now, for Israel being brought out to Babylon for 70 years, initially it sounds like a punishment, but in reality, it's God's hand riding the ship so that his precious land is not damaged beyond, okay? So he's taking care of things. He's always watching, and when he needs to intervene, he does. Okay, so that's the message to take out of that. Now in Psalm 139, oh, yeah. This is a very short note that I have here, but it says, poor choices have consequences. Okay, poor choices have consequences. So, if you don't follow what God is saying, and that's telling you, follow what I'm telling you, and that'll give you life. But if you don't, It'll bring you consequences, okay, that you won't enjoy. In Psalm 139, it says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before as a single day was laid out. So each one of us, you, me, those that are not saved, before we were born, God knew what we would be doing on that train. Who would be interfacing with, who would we we were going to be contacting with, having relationships with, having fights with, okay? But doing life with. God knew that ahead of time. And he put it in a book. Now, When I was a project manager, the first thing we did on a project was first define it. This is what the problem is we're going to solve. This is how we're going to solve it. You know how the phase review process works and how all those documents go. But this is what we're going to solve. These are our plans. This is what we're going to do. These are the folks we're going to interface with. Sean, the group and test. I would be in engineering. There'd be some manufacturing folks. There'd also be folks in sales. But we'd all be connected and we'd go, this is the project. This is what we're going to do. You guys are responsible for these pieces. And here are the milestones when things are going to be completed. So in those milestones, we'll measure. How are we doing according to plan? Is there any place where we're falling down where we have to put extra resources? Okay, well, God's already put a plan together. And includes 
All of us. How are we doing with our plan? How are we doing with our divine assignment? Now, the question comes to mind is, if God planned things before everything started, why are things so messed up? Why are they so messed up? Well, I can give you a few, a few reasons right off the bat. We all know the first one. We have an enemy that is trying to frustrate everything that God has planned. Satan's in our lives, and he wants to trip us up every time. Okay? So, that's one thing. Secondly, for whatever reason, we never figure out, we never discuss, we never talk to God to find out what our divine assignment is. If you don't know what your divine assignment is, how are you going to accomplish it? How are you going to accomplish it? Now, there's several ways of finding out what the divine assignment is, and I'm not going to go down those paths, but I'll mention them. Um, speaking in tongues, praying, reading the scriptures, listening to that still small voice in you. Those are all things we know about because we've heard them many, many times. That's where God speaks to you, speaks to me about what our divine assignment is. That's where it comes from. Okay? So I won't go any further in there, but keep that in mind. That's how it goes. Lastly, this is the one that hurts me the most. We all have a free will and we can say, no God. So we know what our divine assignment is, but we say, no God. Now we can say no for a lot of reasons. I'm not sufficient. I am afraid, I'm, you name it. Well, we've had a lot of messages about gifts that God gives us so that we can perform the task he gives us ahead of time. He gives us all the tools, all the energy, all the encouragement we need to go do. But we have to take the first step. Okay, so it's not like God's given us a divine assignment and said, okay, go figure it out on your own. He says, here's your toolbox. Everything you need to perform the task is in this box. And if you're not sure how to use the tools, talk to me. I'll show you which one it is and I'll help you use it. But in my free will, I can say, well, that sounds God. That sounds good, God, but... How do I know I can trust you? Okay? And that's where a lot of folks fall down. So those are three reasons. Satan is involved. He's the one talking in your ear saying, you're not capable to do that. Remember all the things you've tried and you've failed? Shut them up. Second one is, you never find out what your divine assignment is. 
And the third one is, you know what your divine assignment is, but you say no. I've got a couple of um, examples that have come to me over the years. There was a book of um, some missionaries that had gone to Nigeria in the 40s. I looked high and low for the book. I can't remember what it's called or even who the missionaries are. I know which denomination they were in, and that's all I can tell you. Okay? But they had been out there. They had been working with a tribe. Uh, the tribe had been saved. This is in the Nigeria. The tribe had been saved. They'd been working with them, and they were developing very nicely. But there was a neighboring tribe that the Lord had also given them a message, but there was nobody there to help them, so they were floundering around, and this couple would do the best they can to go work with them, but it was only as I have spare time. And that other tribe went into some weird things, mixing animism with Christianity and a bunch of other stuff. It was, it was nasty. So they were wondering, why did God plant the seeds here, but left it with all the weeds? Well, they came home on furlough. Everybody know what furlough means? Okay, they came home on vacation to go talk to the churches that were sponsoring them, pretty much like in Acts, Paul, Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas did the same thing. They went back and reported how things were going. Well, they came to this church and they met some friends of theirs. So they went out to lunch, and as they went out to lunch, they were talking, and one of the things that got mentioned was that other tribe. That couple said, we were supposed to go. We knew that that was our assignment. But we were talking to some of our friends, and they said, well, you're much more profitable making money, so you should stay at home, work at that good job you have, and have funds to provide for somebody else to go. So they stayed at home. Satan used other Christians to prevent this couple from performing their divine assignment. Now that got rectified because the next generation, there's some missionaries that went in, but there's a whole generation of folks in that tribe that could have been ministering to the Lord, but they were floundering. Now God didn't leave them there. Part of the plan was this other set of folks will go in. But that's the free choice we have, and that's the cost. That's the cost. What should be going right in God's kingdom doesn't happen. So he rectifies it in the next generation. I'll talk more about that in a minute. There's a really good movie. It's an old movie. I'm sure I get the title right. The Inn of the Sixth Six TH happiness, where missionary Gladys Aylward, A Y L W A R D, was called to ministry in China. It's a really good movie if you can get it to take a look at it. It's really good. She went out there to minister to the folks, not knowing exactly what she was doing, but she couldn't connect anywhere. So finally, she got a job working for the state government of China. 
and her assignment was in a specific area in China where they would take baby girls and bind their feet so they wouldn't grow. Okay? Well, I've seen some pictures of what some of those feet look like, and the toes are all curled in, and the girls couldn't walk and whatnot, but, you know, they call it foot binding. Her job was to go to that district and break that practice. Well, while she was doing that job and being paid by the state government of uh, China, she started to minister to the women. That's where her divine assignment was. I won't say more about the movie, but it's a really good movie, something to watch. And my third example is I'll take you to Moses. The first generation that came out of Egypt, what was God's plan? God's plan was to bring them to the promised land. What happened? They said, we don't think you can bring us in. You're just going to kill us all. They spent 40 years in the desert. Who went in? The next generation. Okay? The next generation went in. They were prepared. But that's not the generation God wanted to bring in. They all died in the desert, except for two. And those were the two that said, yeah, we can go. Our God's big enough. I don't care what those 12-foot giants look like. They're puny compared to God. So those two did go in. But the rest of them all died in the desert. Divine assignments. We each have one. We each have one. Yeah. I think it was about three years ago, Chantel came in and had a message on... um, She had a message about rewards. Okay, that was about three years ago. Is that still at the archives? That's a really good message. Okay, about the rewards that God has for them that are faithful to God's assignment. Parts or all. If you're faithful with a small piece, you'll get a reward based on that small piece. Okay? So... That was a good message. If you can go to archives, go listen to it again. Now, bottom line. When we see Jesus face to face, what is he going to say? If you have been faithful with your divine assignments, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant." Enter into the joy of your master. Now, the issue I've always had with that passage is, the way you usually hear it is, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's where they stop. That's where they stop. Well, that's a temporary thing. You know, you receive a word of encouragement, you're encouraged. Second part says, enter into 
the joy of your master. Well, that's permanent. So the problem I have is, why are we focusing on the temporary? It's nice and good and important. But entering into the joy of your master? The joy of your master because you have done your divine appointment? Serious business. Serious business. You will not hear those words if you haven't performed your divine appointment, or at least a part of it. I don't know where the bell curve is. But uh, if you haven't started, if you haven't discovered it, if you haven't done anything with that, you won't hear those words. My encouragement to you is spend time with the Lord. Stop this busyness where we never have time to hear his voice. Find out what it is he has for an assignment for each one of us individually. And then go do. Because he wants the best for us. And performing that divine assignment is the best. Don't stop with the good. That's the best. Okay? But it all starts with, you must be born again. We've got to start there. Okay? Dan, you had some words? Dan knew my message before I even spoke it or even showed him my notes. I knew a little bit about what he was going to say. Um, but For those who don't know who Dan is, Dan and his wife Sue and Sandy and I used to work together at Data General back in the 70s. Computer company in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. That doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and I, I, here's what I wrote. I hear you, Lord, and you desire people today to identify with their specific divine assignments. He says, um, it will be shared this morning and it will be planting seeds in their hearts. God has been planting seeds in people's hearts in this room today. He says, uh, I saw, he said, it's like angels are in this room this morning stirring hearts of those in the room to step forward and to learn what their or your heart is for them. God's heart is for each person in this room. And they will vary and they will be different. I know I talked to a couple of people about inner healing and the physical healing gifts that God wanted to release. I talked to a gentleman about prophecy earlier. Um, in some cases, steps on how to go from point A to point B will be released to people this morning. He is guiding us, and he does that very frequently if we're open to that. Also, obstructions will be identified and removed. I encourage you to stay malleable clay in his hands. God, I give you permission to remove the obstacles that are inside of me, preventing me from catching my um, divine assignment. Um, 
They will be removed, uh, blocked, and cleansed for those who are genuinely seek Him today. And then that's when He told me about the, um, the um, what I shared earlier. He showed me about the lies that people are believing about identity, and it's keeping them from their destiny and what God wants to do with them and through them. So grab a hold of you what your destiny is, and God, if you're not, if God, I give you permission. This is what each person should say. I give you permission to identify what my assignment is and help me to make the first step. And God, I give you permission to remove any blockages. And it may be that you're teaming up with another person to do inner healing, to do uh, cleansing, to do purifications, as you've done with many people, I see. God has shown me. Um, And then I said, uh, he says, I appreciate the genuineness of the searching of the people in this room and how they want to serve me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me finish by praying. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a good Father, that you are always looking for the best interest of your children. If there are any here, Father, that are not of your tribe, that are not your children, your child, I ask you to remove the blinders that's preventing them from seeing and help them to see very clearly the need they have of you. And for the rest of us, Father, I ask you to speak very loudly. Help us to search out what that divine appointment is, that divine assignment is, and encourage us to take the first step to move forward in that direction. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.